You're listening to the Storyteller Series from The Salvation Army. In the first series of this daily podcast, we'll be reading the 24 chapters of the book of Luke. It's our prayer as you study this account of the life of Jesus this Advent season, you'll wake up Christmas morning with a fresh perspective of who and why we celebrate Christmas. For more information or to share your questions and comments, visit SalvationArmySoundcast.org. book of Luke, chapter 23. Then the whole assembly rose and led him off to Pilate, and they began to accuse him, saying, We have found this man subverting our nation. He opposes payment of taxes to Caesar and claims to be Messiah, a king. So Pilate asked Jesus, Are you king of the Jews? You have said so, Jesus replied. Then Pilate announced to the chief priest and the crowd, I find no basis for a charge against this man. But they insisted, he stirs up the people all over Judea by his teaching. He started in Galilee and has come all the way here. On hearing this, Pilate asked if the man was a Galilean. When he learned that Jesus was under Herod's jurisdiction, he sent him to Herod, who was also in Jerusalem at the time. When Herod saw Jesus, he was greatly pleased because for a long time he had been wanting to see him. From what he had heard about him, he hoped to see him perform a sign of some sort. He plied him with many questions, but Jesus gave him no answer. The chief priests and the teachers of the law were standing there, vehemently accusing him. Then Herod and his soldiers ridiculed and mocked him. Dressing him in an elegant robe, they sent him back to Pilate. That day, Herod and Pilate became friends. Before this, they had been enemies. Pilate called together the chief priests, the rulers, and the people, and said to them, You brought me this man as one who was inciting the people to rebellion. I have examined him in your presence and have found no basis for your charges against him. Neither has Herod, for he sent him back to us, as you can see. He has done nothing to deserve death. Therefore, I will punish him and then release him. But the whole crowd shouted, Away with this man! Release Barabbas to us. Barabbas had been thrown into prison for an insurrection in the city and for murder. Wanting to release Jesus, Pilate appealed to them again, but they kept shouting, Crucify him! Crucify him! For the third time he spoke to them, Why? What crime has this man committed? I have found in him no grounds for the death penalty. Therefore, I will have him punished and then release him. But with loud shouts, they insistently demanded that he be crucified, and their shouts prevailed. So Pilate decided to grant their demand. He released the man who had been thrown into prison for insurrection and murder, the one they asked for, and surrendered Jesus to their will. As the soldiers led him away, they seized Simon from Cyrene, who was on his way in from the country, and put the cross on him and made him carry it behind Jesus. A large number of people followed him, including women who mourned and wailed for him. Jesus turned and said to them, Daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for me. Weep for yourselves and for your children, for the time will come when you will say, Blessed are the childless women, the wombs that never bore and the breasts that never nursed. Then they will say to the mountains, Fall on us, and to the hills, cover us. For if people do these things when the tree is green, What will happen when it is dry? Two other men, both criminals, were also let out with him to be executed. 
When they came to the place called the Skull, they crucified him there along with the criminals, one on his right, the other on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And they divided up his clothes by casting lots. The people stood watching, and the rulers even sneered at him. They said, He saved others. Let him save himself if he's God's Messiah, the Chosen One. The soldiers also came up and mocked him. They offered him wine vinegar and said, If you're the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was a written notice above him which read, This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said, since you're under the same sentence, we are punished justly for we're getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said to Jesus, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus answered him, truly, I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. It was now about noon and darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon for the sun stopped shining and the curtain of the temple was torn in two. Jesus called out with a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. When he had said this, he breathed his last. The centurion, seeing what had happened, praised God and said, Surely this was a righteous man. When all the people who had gathered to witness this sight saw what took place, they beat their breasts and went away. But all those who knew him, including the women who had followed him from Galilee, stood at a distance watching these things. Now there was a man named Joseph, a member of the council, a good and upright man who had not consented to the decision and action. He came from the Judean town of Arimathea, and he himself was waiting for the kingdom of God. Going to Pilate, he asked for Jesus' body. Then he took it down, wrapped it in linen cloth, and placed it in a tomb cut in the rock, one in which no one had yet been laid. It was preparation day, and the Sabbath was about to begin. The women who had come with Jesus from Galilee followed Joseph and saw the tomb and how his body was laid in it. Then they went home and prepared spices and perfumes, but they rested on the Sabbath in obedience to the commandment. You know, I remember several years back when the Passion of the Christ movie came out. Uh, and I think we all remember that. You know, maybe we got to see that in the movie theater and it was a huge outreach where we just wanted people to be able to come and, and experience Easter, experience the story of Jesus' death. Uh, and that was impactful. You know, people are weeping and you still hear people today say, I can't watch that and not be moved. Uh, so there's something about that. Uh, but the truth is sometimes, you know, almost every Easter sermon I've ever preached, I think I always include in it, come on guys, we don't want this to be just this one day. I, I want to reflect on this every day of my life. So it's not only, yeah, this is a powerful chapter. Uh, there's mourning and groups of people wailing and following Jesus. And it's this huge, huge impactful moment. Uh, but then how do we walk that out every day? Because the truth is, do I stop every day to reflect on the power of the cross? Uh, not in the same way as I do on Easter Sunday sometimes. So.
um, in verse 27 and 28, like as he's being led to his crucifixion, there are these large crowds, people following him and they're mourning and wailing as though he's already dead. Like it's already his funeral and they're caught up in their feelings, right? So I feel like what I'm hearing you say is, is that as life is busy and the Advent and Christmas season is busy, especially the Salvation Army, we don't always have time for the feelings of it. And, uh, and I think that's okay because he actually says to them like, y'all don't cry for me. In fact, weep for yourselves and for the generations that are to come because it's going to get harder and it's going to get worse. And um, that's kind of intense. I'm like, um, that's saying a lot considering it's Jesus going to the cross. And he's like, don't make the focus how hard this moment was for me. He's like, actually, you need to be thinking ahead to what things are coming. And so I feel like in his humility, he's not like, yes, it's so hard. Please pass me a tissue, right? He's like, this is my work to do. I'm doing it for you. And then I feel like he turns and he's like, what is your work to do in this moment? And maybe my work in this moment, like the day-to-day stuff is like, get the kids, get the house ready, get to work, get the kettles, get the core, get that, like all the things, all the things. But there's an internal work to be done as well. And that is a day-by-day work, not just at Christmas and not just at Easter. We should probably uh, just have a little shout out to the uh, people that he says that to, these women who stuck with him. Uh, all along the way Absolutely. when all of his disciples had abandoned him at this point. Uh, and we uh, you know, have lots said in the church at times about the roles of men and women in the church and in family life. Uh, but it's really interesting uh, that the people that are with Jesus at the cross and the people that are the first to hear the news of the empty tomb are women. Which, by the way, for an ancient audience, would have invalidated the story at some level and been less believable uh, that these were the witnesses that the church would rely upon. Luke is very purposeful about acknowledging the women that are part of Jesus' story. And, I mean, biblical context, because he did list them by name, we believe that they were eyewitnesses that he referenced to get this story from, from to begin with. So the women are, have been very important through the story of Jesus, and I appreciate that Luke is always very purposeful in, in saying their names and calling them out, as is Paul. Um, so there's a lot of a good to be said there. Sure, and I think it's worth saying, too, uh, that it's not just about you know, empowering the women around him. Jesus was about making sure everyone yes. was empowered together. Yes. Uh, right. So there was room for everyone not to take away from their role, uh, but Jesus wasn't trying to add a further controversy in that, but make room for those that were excluded. And they were excluded. And if they're excluded today, we need to find ways to make room as well. And then we're confronted with the thief on the cross, right? Uh, So we see these two criminals here. Uh, One criminal rebukes him. Don't you fear God, he said, since you are under the same sentence, we are punished justly for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. So the witness actually comes out of uh, a despised place, a rejected place, a guilty place. Uh, Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus answered him, I tell you the truth. Today, you will be with me in paradise. 
I mean, talk about all everything leading up to this moment in Luke where Jesus has called people to account and said, look, there's a choice to be made. Count that cost. And yeah, that begins today, right at the beginning. But in this moment of extremes and, and at the end, there's still room. There's still room. And that invitation wasn't that Jesus said, yes, you'll be a son of Abraham. You will be saved. That invitation was so inclusive in the cross yes. is that he said, you're coming with me. Yeah. Right yes, now, I right here that. and right now. And I just find it so powerful uh, that the event that is enabling the thief to come with him is the very thing he is watching unfold before his very eyes, you know, that he is watching his salvation take place. Thanks for listening. If you're enjoying this show, please share it with a friend. You can subscribe to the Storyteller series on Apple Podcast, Spotify, or your own favorite podcast store. For more information, visit SalvationArmySoundcast.org. God bless you and Merry Christmas.